0: Today we're interviewing Andrew Strom, author of a controversial new book on the Lakeland Revival in Florida. Andrew is an international author and speaker. He's the founder of RevivalSchool.com, the author of Why I Left the Prophetic Movement, and his new book, True and False Revival. So Andrew, for 11 years you were involved in the same prophetic movement as Todd Bentley. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the movement?
1: Originally I was deeply involved in publishing, of course I was still living in New Zealand in those days, uh, and uh, that's how I really um, became deeper and deeper involved at, you know, as the websites expanded, as uh, the email list uh, went international and got a lot of you know, hundreds and then thousands of people around the world. Uh, things just seemed to get worse and worse, I was always, the, I was always for revival. I remember in the early days of the prophetic movement that I was aware of there was a move towards real revival. there was repentance guys there was guys that would preach holiness um, and uh, when I moved to Kansas City it wasn't to join in with what was going on by then things were getting pretty bad and I knew that and uh, I, I I was issuing a call I, I had been for a number of years I was issuing a call and saying listen we've got to get back to what we were originally called to do as a movement. it was about uh, preaching repentance to the lukewarm church, and it was about um, real prophets rising up. You know, the kind of John the Baptist type of prophets that uh, you know that are real forerunners and really preach repentance and call the church back, uh, call them out of compromise, call them out of worldliness and lukewarmness, and back into the real uh, Christianity that God wants. And that's the kind of prophetic movement I always was into and and always fervently hoped for. It's the kind of revival, you know, the Finney type of revival. Wesley, Whitfield, the Great Awakenings were all about repentance. They were all all about people getting right with God, crying out for mercy, you know. That's the kind of repentance I was after. That's the kind of revival I was always looking for. And uh, sadly, it it got worse. It got further away from that and and eventually forced me right out.
0: So, Andrew, now that you've left the prophetic movement, what kind of Christian would you describe yourself as? Charismatic, Pentecostal, or what?
1: Sure. I mean, I'm still uh, just as strong about the Holy Spirit as I've ever been. I want to see all the gifts of the Spirit. I'm a tongue speaking, you know, charismatic Pentecostal, but uh, that word charismatic has just completely been tainted. And, uh, you know, usually when I describe myself, I just try and, you know, I just say I'm a, I'm a spirit filled Christian um, because the word charismatic has come to mean a whole lot of strange garbage flowing into the body of Christ. And I, you know, it didn't used to be that way. The old, uh, use of the word charismatic and the use of the word renewal used to mean, you know, used to mean that people wanted the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and, 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 uh, the power of God, you know, healings and miracles. I believe in all of that. I believe in casting out demons. I believe in all these things uh, very strongly. And uh, they've got to be in the context of biblical Christianity. And uh, if we haven't got that, we'll end up with a circus. We'll end up with a zoo. And I've been in meetings where I just felt uh, my skin crawling. And it was more like a zoo in the worst possible sense of the, of the word, Uh, just awful things, you know, spirits seeming to just be coming upon people and just manifesting through them in ways that just seemed so demonic to me. And I've seen this now for, you know, for well over 10 years, uh, mostly to do with the prophetic movement, people connected with that movement. So uh, that's why I can no longer stay. That's why I'm so strongly opposing what's happening now, because uh, it's the same old stuff. It's the same, same stuff.
0: What are your greatest concerns about what's happening in Lakeland?
1: Uh, I've always said, you know, and I've always um, really uh, been strong on the fact that the the impartation, the spirit that's being imparted, is what alarms me. I was around uh, in the prophetic movement when Toronto first came in. And it was adopted very quickly by the, by the prophetic movement. Kansas City took it on very fast. Uh, Morningstar with Rick Joyner, you know, that whole ministry. And really the entire prophetic movement was, within a year, uh, totally infatuated and totally uh, moving in that new spirit that came in. And I did regard it as a new spirit, and I never uh, liked what I saw. In fact, I was highly alarmed to find things that I'd always read about um, you know, revivals have spurious things around the edges, counterfeits. John Wesley would, would warn about counterfeits and say, watch out for them. You know, the heart of revival is about getting people right with God, getting their hearts uh, pierced with conviction, just like on the day of Pentecost. Where they're pierced with conviction, they cry out, uh, brothers, what shall we do? You know, and um, the first word out of Peter's mouth was repent. And that's, that's the beginning of revival right there. Well, that's the kind of thing I wanted to see, but, uh, you know, Todd Bentley, Patricia King, Jill Austen, the whole Toronto movement, all of this was bringing in uh, just a deluge of that kind of counterfeit stuff that always used to be around the fringes of revivals, and they would warn about it, and they'd say, let's keep it out. You know, and they did their best to keep it out. Wesley would talk about it, Finney would talk about it, keeping the spurious stuff out. And this stuff became more and more a part of the prophetic. It invaded. And uh, Todd Bentley was always one of the very most extreme that I mm-hmm. knew of. Yeah. You know, him and Jill Austin, right. Patricia King. I regarded those three as by far moving in the most power, but in total whacked out counterfeit stuff. You know, the angels, uh, weird orbs of light floating down, um, gold dust, gold uh, dust. Uh, the jewels that started appearing and and people would go into meetings you know with like sticky tape trying to collect the little jewel dust on you know people were going to meetings for the most um, shallow reasons just it was it was spectacular it was a circus it was a it was it was not a, it was not a godly atmosphere in the sense of uh, a true revival i mean i'd been reading about revivals for over twenty years studying up of course uh, counterfeits come into revivals, but, but basically they're a move of the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is all about convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and getting people, people's hearts right. So I wanted a prophetic movement that was like that. I wanted a revival that was like that. The only reason I hung in so long with the prophetic movement, I mean, I left in 2004 uh, and publicly announced it, and, and caught, it caused a huge kind of shockwave, more than I, it ever happened when I was involved you know, all those years. But uh, the reason I couldn't stay was because there was a total lack of that revival, that uh, that spirit of true revival. It was lacking. In fact, they were moving further and further away into Weirdosville, where they were just, uh, you'd go to prophetic conferences, you're paying uh, large sums of money. Um, the prophecies that were being given were just ear tickling, uh, there was no repentance preaching, there was no holiness being spoken of, there was just experiences one after the other, most of them very dubious, things that I would look at and say, that looks like a demon to me just jumped on that person. And they would say, oh, the Holy Spirit has just moved upon that person. And, And I'd say, I'm sorry. You know, that's not what it looks like to me. I mean, I mean, ten years beforehand, we would have outright said, "Oh, that's that, that's a demon manifesting." Now they say it's the Holy Spirit manifesting. What's going on? Why this sudden change? This thing poured in around the mid 90s, and it just the discernment disappeared, and the place just slowly became weirdosville, and I, I just couldn't stay.
0: Speaking of the character of different movements and the character of True Revival, do you believe uh, that there's specific something that this appeals to? Does it appeal to the flesh? Does it appeal to the soul as opposed to the spirit?
1: I think there was a a real hunger for revival. One of the things that uh, has struck me uh, very strongly is that the guys that jumped into Toronto... And the guys that jumped into this movement in the mid-90s were already hungering after revival. They wanted a real revival, but they weren't willing to wait, it seemed to me. And the first thing that came along that had real power with it, the first anointing, the first spirit that they could get a hold of that had real power, they went after it. And uh, it's just like Abraham gave, you know, Ishmael came forth first because there was no, because there's no willingness to wait. And, uh, and Ishmael has been a total thorn in the side. I mean, that's, that, out of that comes the Arab nations and, and the, the Muslim nations to this day, bitter enemies of Israel. Um, that's what Ishmael does. Ishmael produces a counterfeit. And, and the false thing can precede the true. And I just feel that there was no willingness to wait uh, there was all these prophecies of revival. So in answer to your question, there was a hunger there and it was genuine. But I feel that uh, um, in a lot of ways it was kind of shallow. It proved to be shallow. It wasn't willing to wait for the real move of God. And I believe in real revival. I believe we, we need real prophets. We need real revival. We need John the Baptist to arise. We need a call to go out to the church, a trumpet call to the church, repent, Return to the original thing. Return to true Christianity. Get rid of all your idols and your materialism. Real prophets need to do that. A real prophetic movement would be doing that. And instead, it's just become a circus of just whacked out manifestations and experiences of the most dubious kind. And that's what forced me out of the movement in 2004. And, and, uh, you know, I can't go back to it. It's It's gotten worse. I said when I left, I said, it's going to get worse. All the seeds are there for just the most terrible garbage to enter in, the most terrible deception to enter in. Well, you know, look look what's happened. I mean, uh, uh, I'm glad to be gone, I'm glad to be out of it.
0: So what you're saying, Andrew is, you're saying that you don't have a problem with supernatural things. You don't have a problem with angels visiting people or or things like that happening. What what you take issue with is the character of these events and what it produces and what and what the focus is of these things. Is that right? It
1: is, you know, regarding angels, uh when a holy angel came to someone in, in the Bible, almost always they f- fell on their face because that angel had come from the holy presence of God and was carrying the holiness of God you know around the angel and, and it produced just this fear of the Lord and you know it 's the opposite when you hear a lot of the um, the, start, the carry on about angels that, that goes on, a lot of it is not it doesn't seem holy it doesn't seem like a holy angel from God, for instance, Emma. You know, I noticed that uh, Todd Bentley, sadly, has been trying to modify certain articles on his, on his website and seems to have taken the paragraphs about Emma the angel out of there. Well, we have, you know, the archives are kept, uh, not just on his site, but on, you know, there's 2003 archives that show clearly his entire article about how he was visited by Emma. Um, you know, they're on ETPV, which is, you know, archives a lot of the, it's a pro-prophetic website, and it archives a lot of the prophetic uh, articles that are put out every year.
0: So, so Andrew, Emma is Todd's angel that he uses to get money, is that right?
1: Emma seems to be a money angel. He said that uh, that when Emma appeared, it was a female angel floating about one or two feet off the ground, emitting sparkling colors, Uh throwing gold dust over the audience. This was in a meeting he was holding. And he said instantly the the pastor's wife got a so-called prophetic anointing and began running around the church, you know, clucking like a chicken and barking like a dog. Uh, I don't know why that is called a prophetic anointing. That's the kind of garbage that forced me out of that, that movement. When I, you know, uh, words fail me really to describe the, just the the mindless type of stuff that you have to put up with if you're going to stay in the prophetic movement because it, it ends up, you, you're living in this uh, weirdsville zone where all this kind of totally out of whack stuff is treated as normal. Uh, in the same article, Todd Bentley's writing about how he sends out his financial angels to get him money and bring it back to him. Well, you know, that's just pure witchcraft 101. I mean, that's what, if you have spirits, if you're in, in, uh, deep in witchcraft in Africa or whatever, if you want money, you send out spirits, you command spirits to go and get money and bring it back to you. That's one of their main things that they do. You get into witchcraft in Africa usually because you want a relative to be uh, healed or you want an enemy to be done away with, or you want money brought to you. those are the reasons that you get into witchcraft and uh, you know just, just you don 't send spirits out in the bible you don 't send spirits out to get you money you don 't send angels out to get you money you know and so many of todd 's early encounters and uh, so many of the things he would talk about angels about had to do with finances and bringing in all this stuff and you know I just got no time for it I didn't have time for it back then, even when I was in the prophetic movement. Uh, I was always worried about what was being imparted and so you know that shows to me there's a level of a tremendous level of deception involved, a dangerous level. the fact that Todd Bentley would always you know as long as I've known about his ministry, when he would lay hands on people, transfer this drunken Type of uh, anointing onto them, you know, and so people be falling over, he'd be laughing and cackling away.
0: How would you respond to people who say that this is a new move of God? This is a new thing that that God's doing.
1: Well, that cry has been brought up uh, on numerous occasions, and they're usually making excuses why things are unbiblical or you could say anti biblical, anti biblical. my view is this. God always does something new in every revival, but in a very real sense, it's always old. It's always going back to the original thing. You look at what Elijah's ministry was, he and John the Baptist, they were restorers. In fact, John the Baptist was spoken of as a restorer of all things. So the job of a true prophet And the job of even a new move of God is actually to restore us back to the original and take us back there. And will there be unique features about it? Uh, You know, Azusa Street had speaking in tongues for the first time for centuries. And that was a very controversial thing, of course. But what's it doing? It's actually restoring us back to what always used to happen in the New Testament. Uh, There was a movement, uh, the healing and deliverance movement, you know, from the 1950s onwards, That was very unique and new, especially a deliverance side, casting out demons, um, very controversial. But God is restoring the casting out of demons to the church, and I believe in that. What I don't want to see and what I don't believe in is God suddenly so-called restoring things that have never been part of Christianity, that, that seem ugly and weird and pagan and they, they look like they've stepped straight out of the Hindu religion. It's almost like the spirit of Kundalini has gotten loose in the church, is being transferred by the laying on of hands, by certain ministers who should know better. And uh, and it's it's really trying to disguise itself as a Christian spirit. But in, in, in effect, it's, it's the Kundalini spirit that's always been part of Hinduism, has always been part of the New Age movement. And it's transferring itself now into Christians. It produces all the same characteristics, the same type of experiences. They feel a euphoria. They feel ecstatic for a few minutes. They go away making these strange jerking uh, movements. Those are found right the way through the kundalini movements worldwide. Everything. They call them kriyas. When they make those spontaneous um, movements where they're like... "Uh," that uh, they make sounds that they're not in control of uh, you know all of this stuff is identical and i uh, that's what my concern is so i don't believe in something new that just uh brings in unbiblical stuff i want something new that restores the original thing and that's what revivals true revivals are all about
0: Regarding the impartation of the Spirit and it causing drunkenness and stuff like that, do we find that in the Bible, or do we find the opposite of it?
1: Well, you know, drunkenness was all... The whole drunken thing comes from Toronto. There's no question about that. And uh, I always questioned that Spirit right from the start, right from the very first time I saw it. Uh, It came out of Rodney Howard Brown's ministry into Toronto, Uh, the Vineyard Church in Toronto and became a huge worldwide movement. The drunkenness is allied with the jerking, is allied with of course the laughing quite often Um, and uh, you know quite honestly it looks like a spirit is jumping on someone quite often. It looks literally like some spirit has just jumped on some, some person and they even react Sometimes they look like they're being kicked in the stomach or, you know, they look like something just jumped upon them and entered them. And uh, I, I totally question whether that's the Holy Spirit. I always have. And uh, if it produces drunkenness, it's the exact opposite of what the, the New Testament tells us again and again, you know. Um, and uh, there's a theory that, you know, of course, drunkenness was caused on the day of Pentecost, that they all looked drunk. My view is... You had uh, 120 people speaking in different languages, um, uh, filled with the joy of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the glory of God, running out of that building and starting to, um, you know, still speaking in tongues, uh, you know, just filled with that experience of God. And uh, it it obviously seemed like drunken behavior to onlookers, but uh, it would. If two hundred, you know, if 120 people started speaking in different languages and, and glorifying God, um, do, does the Holy Spirit do unusual things? Yes, but they have the holy character of God about them. You know, when Isaiah saw God, saw the Lord high and lifted up, it it, it says a number of things. About, you know, it says that the angels were crying out day and night, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The, the, the pillars of the room were shaking. The place was filling with smoke. Day and night, this goes on over and over and over. That's the the, the real glory of God. These guys talk about the drunken glory. When they're talking about the drunken glory, when, you know, you know Todd Bentley, you'll see him on the stage and he'll say, oh, we're going to pray that the drunken glory will hit everybody. You know, I just can't see it, number one, in Scripture, but it goes against what I see in Scripture. It goes against the character of God. And so this drunkenness stuff I've always had a problem with it. Yes, unusual things happen when someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, are they so, some you know filled with the love and the joy of God? Yes, that happens. Absolutely that happens. But it's not laughing like hyenas uh down on the ground jerking and and writhing as though you're fighting with a demon. That's not it. That's not classic Pentecostal filled with the Holy Holy Spirit, you know. And uh I want to see people filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to see the fruits of holiness. I want to see when an outpouring of the Spirit comes, I want to see people cry out to God for mercy and get rid of their sin and start living a a really holy life. And, and you know, uh, it's not about this junk. And I totally question the Spirit that's being transferred. That's my main concern. It always has been. I look at what's going on and I say, that does not look like or seem like the Holy Spirit of God that I have read about time and time again. I've studied revival history for years. I've, I've read the Bible and looked in vain for this stuff going on. It doesn't happen because there's a holiness. The holiness of God is in everything you know going on. And If it's not there, I don't want to know about it. I won't call it a revival. I won't even call it a renewal. I'll say, let's question it. Let's test the spirits. Exactly what we're commanded to do. Test the spirits, it says in the Bible, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what what are we supposed to do? Just ignore that scripture?
0: You've been studying the history of revival for over two decades. Can you give us insight into the manifestations that did happen in genuine revivals of the past?
1: Um, yep, there have been, there have actually been whole, there have been revivals that have been invaded. Um, Seeking Great Awakening and Cane Ridge is an excellent example, and in fact, the uh the ministers that were involved in that never considered those weird manifestations to be from god they actually they knew that unless uh unless it calmed down and stopped happening the revival was probably going to be destroyed by it and uh you know Barton stone um i believe was uh the minister kind of in charge um of that whole camp meeting and he was very aware he just he just kind of he said, "We're just going to preach a straight gospel message, a straight, uh, you know, um, biblical message, and we're just going to get through this. We're going to get through this, and it, it's going to it's going to go away. It's going to subside, hopefully, um, and it did, you know." But uh, there had been an invasion of these weird manifestations entering into that revival. Now, it started with repentance. It started with an emphasis on holiness. It started with literally people falling down, uh, piercing the ear with, with crying to God for mercy. And so those are the things that a real revival has. Um, but the spurious stuff did enter in. That's why Charles Finney was always so careful. You see, if when you're reading Charles Finney's Autobiography and, and things that he wrote. He's so careful, even if a, uh, a meeting becomes emotionally charged in any, any way, he would try and very carefully close the meeting down. And he would say, All right, I want everybody to carefully uh, just, just go back to your homes very quietly, uh, don't talk to people, you know, because he said, uh, You know, there'd be these huge emotional outbursts of people just. Um, so convicted for their sins, so uh, hungry for God. You know, so the, the, the revivalists that really got a handle on, on that kind of stuff started to become very careful about it and very opposed to the kind of counterfeit manifestations that we see very commonly now. And in fact, they're welcomed. The things, this is what I find ironic is, the things that the revivalists in the old days would keep out at all costs, if they could, today are welcomed in. In fact, you make a new movement out of it and you try and spread it all around the world. That's, that's really the big difference. It's the exact opposite. And I've been studying revival you know, all those years and it always struck me that this stuff that's coming now is the opposite of what we'd see uh, the real revivalists wanting in their revivals. You know?
0: So how do you feel we should respond to, to what's happening in Florida?
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, I've just written the book True and False Revival, and I think one thing is very important is that we don't just talk about the false. We've got to talk about what true revival is. Um, That's why I didn't just uh, write a book called, you know, False Revival in Lakeland or something like that. I want to emphasize the fact that God does want true revival. He wants prophets to arise. He wants repentance preachers like Charles Finney, like John Wesley, like George Whitfield, you know, Jonathan Edwards, all these guys. He wants people who can preach, you know, a a message like sinners in the hands of an angry God and see people just, you know, falling down under the power of God or repenting with tears and and, uh, the church getting right before God. And Compromise being done away with, materialism, worldliness, uh, all of this stuff. It's got to be thrown out of the church by preachers coming in and preaching the truth. And uh, that's revival. Revival in Wales was, you know, people filling the chapels and crying out to God and saying, God, forgive us. You know, that's what uh, Evan Roberts' message was all about. So we've got to see that again. We've got to not just oppose the false. We've got to be for the true. And so true and false revival. I, I want to go after the true. I want to pursue it. I want to pray for it. I want to preach uh, like those men would preach. I want to get an anointing from God to to preach real revival messages. And um, I, I want to encourage a whole lot of uh, preachers today to do exactly the same. We can't just be against the false. We have to be um, really strongly for a real revival message. And uh, that's really, that's where I'm coming from. That's, that's totally where I'm at.
0: So how do you think we should respond to the, the people that are getting involved in this?
1: Uh, I don't try and persuade, uh, in some ways, don't per- try and persuade everybody. Um, I'm just looking for those people in the middle, really, that maybe they have strong questions in their heart. And I want to give them some information and say, listen, you need to look at this and this and this. You need to consider that in the last days, deception is prophesied again and again and again. You know, you need to be aware of that. You need to think through what you're getting involved with here. And uh, here's some facts. Let's look at what has been spoken. Let's look at the history of revival. Let's look at the history of this movement, this prophetic movement that all of these guys come out of. Bob Jones and Paul Kane, Todd Bentley and all his friends, Patricia King and all of those people come out of the prophetic movement. I was in that movement. And I want to say, you know, it has terrible, shaky foundations scripturally and every other way. So, uh, that's all, you know, that's all I, That's the only response I can give is to be calm about it, to be polite and reasonable about it, not get extreme, not get into mudslinging, I'm not interested in that. We've got to look at what the spirit is of this thing and test the spirits and that's, that's all we can do.